there, Green Future Growers. Thanks for joining us today. If you're new to the show, I hope you'll subscribe on iTunes or your favorite Android app. And let's get growing. Hey, Green Future Growers. Join me on the Listen app. Invite code GREEN, G-R-E-E-N. I would love if you left me a message. You can reach out to other Green Future Growers and other Green Organic Gardener podcast listeners there. We could have a conversation about what's growing in your garden. What are you eating? Does it not feel good to walk by the produce aisle? It does for me. Um, And if you're not there yet, we'd be happy to help you get there. Over on the Listen app, invite code Green, G-R-E-E-N. Hey, everyone. So I just want to remind you, this is the most important time to be taking good notes on what's working well, what's not working well, what don't you want to forget come next February and March when it's time to order supplies or do your design. You know, what are your favorite seeds or what do you want to plant more of? Do you want more broccoli? Like you might think I am never going to forget this, but you probably are going to forget it. And um, a great way to support the Green Organic Gardener podcast um, would be to get our garden journal that's got a beautiful butterfly that I took a picture of on our lilac. So it's like a little part of our home and your home. It's got blank pages and line pages and um, it would really support us a lot. Um, So, but most of all, we want you to have good records. Welcome to the Green Organic Gardener podcast. Today is Friday, July 10th, 2020, and I have an awesome guest on the mic who's written a fantastic book called Playing in the Dirt. He's a chiropractor. Um, He's got an awesome Instagram channel and just, I know we're going to learn a ton today. So here to share all sorts of golden seeds with us is Benjamin Page. So welcome to the show, Ben, Ben, right? Yeah, it's Ben. Yep. Most people call me Ben. Um, Benjamin is my real name, but Ben is what most people call me. I think there's three people in the world that call me Benny. <laughs> and two of them have passed away, so it's now just one. But yeah, most people call me Ben. Yep. So it's great to be on the show. It's great to be with you. Well, thanks. Well, I'm so excited. Oh, yeah. And you also have a podcast, the Wellness Farmer Podcast. So listeners, like, I've been like jonesing for some good podcasts to listen to this winter. Like, and that kind of has changed lately because I think I've been to over a thousand podcast websites in the last month working for this new podcaster, um, just doing research, trying to find podcasts where he would be a good fit as a guest. And it's just been fascinating. But even still, out of like the thousand websites, I've only found, I think, four that I've actually added to my phone and less than a dozen that I've checked out and been like, you know, oh, this might be good. So I am excited. I'm been thinking i wish more people would share more podcasts like people that i listen to would share more so the wellness farmer i know listeners are going to love that (laughs) yeah that's what i tried i mean it's more of a wellness wellness gardener at the moment but at the when i started the podcast i was a farmer i actually raised uh meat on pasture so chicken so i raised chicken on pasture and that's why that's where the podcast kind of got its name well, do you want to tell us about that? Or I want to kind of hear a little bit about that. Yeah, <laughs> Was for that sure. down? So you're in Argentina? Was that down in Argentina? Or like, where was no, that, that was before. And that was before we came to Argentina. We opened, so I was working with a chiropractor uh, for about five years. And then I left and opened my own clinic. And at the same time, I started a farming enterprise. And what I did is I raised chicken on pasture in a place in southern Utah. And that's where I was raising the chicken on pasture. And 
at the very end, I imagine you're going to ask, but some of the books that helped me were, I mean, some of the books I recommend are the books by Joel Salatin, who has a great enterprise and he's done great work. But I basically did what Joel Salatin does. I, I made my own version of coops with as domes. I didn't use his version. I made a dome coop and I would just, I would let the, let the chickens run around on pasture while uh, every day I moved the moved the coop to fresh green grass and tell you the truth that was probably my favorite time of the day i worked in the in the farm on the morning and then i worked in my clinic in the afternoon and waking up and going moving those those coops and watching those chickens run forward and eating all that fresh green grass and and the bugs that were present was just beautiful i mean i loved it was such a great time and i'll well never forget those times and i'd like to actually get back into it because it was so much it was so neat to be able to do that and work as a chiropractor at the same time. We did that for about a year though, because the sales weren't that good. So um, that's kind of why I stopped doing it, but I would like to get back into it for sure. But it was a, it was a great time. So you were selling the chickens for meat or the eggs? The chicken. Yeah. So we, yeah, we, uh. we, so I, I, I did all the processing on farm too. That was, those were busy days. Processing days were very busy. <laughs> But yeah, we we raised chicken for meat. Yeah. Well, that's good because the you know the big Purdue ones are so bad for our planet, and just you know these giant chicken farms. You just and I feel so bad for those chickens. So we lost our chickens. Um, there's like a grizzly bear problem in our area. First, like they killed off all the grizzly bears, and then they like relocate them, and so many people are moving in. I don't know what's going on. Mike and I have lived here for. 27 years now we've been married and out of those like 25 of them we've had chickens we've never had a problem until the last two years and one chicken survived last spring we finally had baby chicks and one of the baby chicks managed to escape like showed up 30 days after the grizzly bear had been through and we thought the whole thing everybody was gone all of a sudden here comes this chicken and she made it all the way until this spring and we got a rooster and two days after the rooster boom they both here came the grizzly bear again but like everybody in our neighborhood has been posting pictures of this bear and it's just been like i don't know anyway so kind of like i so miss having chickens and fresh eggs it's driving me crazy i want to get some new ones but we have to oh. fix the he i mean he like just is amazing how big this bear was i'm always picturing what he must have looked like <laughs> and i've seen <laughs> pictures now because other people have posted on facebook that to get a picture of him but just like the image of him like tearing down this chicken house that we had he didn't tear it down but he like took the roost and like shoved one of the poles from the roost right through the particle board wall and like mike could not get it out like this bear had to be huge and just that he got it was so sad that after all these years we finally had baby chickens that hatched and were growing and were doing good and then only one of them survived and then she made it through a year all by her lonely self and then as soon as we got the rooster two days later they both disappeared oh that is terrible i'm in and by a bear oh my goodness that's even worse oh. i know i know i just and i didn't even get to see the bear that's the worst part like i mean anyway um but we're not here to talk about us the other thing i wanted to say is and this is totally off topic but i just like keep a story i saw in the news the other day it keeps going through my head about these poor people that they're worried about they're going to get COVID like, I don't know, in Africa or somewhere that these people are so poor that they have to keep the chickens under their beds because they're worried that people will steal them and they're sleeping with these chickens. And it's not that they're going to get COVID. They get some other 
bird disease and like it's just so sad to me that there are people living in conditions that they are so worried they have to keep the chickens under their beds well i know that's terrible i mean yeah the, the amount of yeah, i can't understand that because what the chickens leave behind is probably a lot worse than uh contacting covid19 that's probably for sure that's one of the things i talk about in my new book is that dirt is beautiful but you want to kind of stay away from dirt that's got poo in it that's that's the dirt you don't want to be close to <laughs> yeah well i didn't realize like s- since i started my podcast like i had no idea you can't put like chicken manure or any kind of like manure like if you're a market farmer there's like 120 days you're supposed to wait between when you like apply the manure and when you can plant your vegetable seeds or whatever or before the produce i don't know I know there's like that 120 day rule. So, um, oh yeah, I always I always compost all manures first. I always throw in my compost bin before I actually throw it on my my garden beds. Yeah. So anyway, I'm gonna stop talking and let you tell us. But I do always start the show, Ben, asking about like your very first gardening experience. Like, were you a kid? Were you an adult? What did you grow? And who were you with? Um, I'm gonna talk about my first experience I had as an adult. Because okay. there's another there's another question that talks about where I'm gonna actually I'll, okay. I'll talk about um, as a kid. But my first gardening experience as adult, being a married adult, was that was when I was in Palmer College of Chiropractic. I was in my last year, and I was studying about what's called modern survivalism, and the garden kept on coming up. And I've gardened my basically my whole life, as you as I'll talk about later, but. I had stopped since I had moved and it hasn't, and it would have been many years since I'd done it. And I wanted to get back into it more than anything, grow food for my family. And I was at college. We were very poor and we had no way to buy any materials. So what I did is that when we go on walks with my wife, every time we'd find planks thrown out in the trash, we'd ask the owner if we could take them. And we got enough planks where I could build a, a planter box and we also found two no three uh flower pots that were thrown out and i asked if i could take them and they said yes so my very first garden as adult was a planter box that was two feet by four feet by a foot deep and three um flower pots and they were full of tomatoes and peppers and that's it that was my very first garden as adult but man it was it was those 15 minutes a day that i took just to just to be with those plants, I mean, it was such a calming experience. It helped me so much and and leave the 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 busy life of school, which was insane at that time, and just be in the present moment and do something good by taking care of some plants and and then eventually enjoying the tomatoes and peppers that that came from those plants. So that was that was my very first garden as an adult. Uh, one little teeny planter box and three flower pots full of peppers and, and tomatoes. And that was, in, that was in Davenport, Iowa. Well, it's amazing how starting small like that, especially when you're super busy, like I think that's like super encouraging and some golden seeds you're dropping for my audience because they know I'm always super busy. Like this summer, even though I'm working online and I'm home a lot, like I'm just exhausted. Like you try to spend six hours on a computer and see like, I don't want to go for a walk. I don't want to do anything. And I am so lucky because I go sit in the garden and read a book and water and just like, I'll set the water thing out for like six minutes or nine minutes on my thing and just sit there and just un 
wax after staring at a computer and still ideas are floating through my head and things that but yeah it's amazing how coming and then college right like I remember when I was in college to get my elementary degree like I could tell you how long everything took whether by the second like I was like this is a 60 second task and this is a two you know two minute task and this is like a you know 90 second task like I just like you're so busy when you're in college it's crazy I don't know how you do it with a family oh it was it was those were very long days I mean to I my first year at Palmer it was I would go to bed at this is an average I go to bed at eight o'clock at night wake up at 12 or one in the morning study until six or seven then go to school and we were school for all day I mean we had about like the average is about 32 credit hours a, a week so we're basically at a full-time job oh we also had to study for tests and take the test and then I'd come home at six or seven in the afternoon I'd hang out with my family for a little while and I'd go back to bed at eight o'clock and I'd get back up at one o'clock in the morning I mean it was it was so, but that was before I started once I was in the third year I was a little bit more relaxed and a little bit more time but yeah it was it was not easy I'll tell you that for sure it wasn't easy but those moments like I said and I write about it in my book because the book my book playing in the dirt which it's called playing in the dirt uh I talk about how the not just the soil and gardens but how nature is so important to our health as human beings and we're in and it's we're involved I mean we need to be involved with her to to truly reach our health potential and it's one of the things that that garden did is it helped me be in the present it was it was kind of a type of it was meditation. It was meditation at its best. It, it just brought me back to the present. I forgot about my tests. I forgot all the, the anxieties of the future, all the, all the times I missed a bunch of tests on the, in, 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 in the past. I mean, it just brought me back and it, it just felt great. And I remember it was just that little teeny, teeny garden. So starting small is, is, is a great way to go. I agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> so how did you learn how to garden organically? Did you exactly. So, do that? Did your family do that? Or? Yeah, that's that's what I was going to talk about. My parents. My parents. They've always. I mean, it was before it was called. It was, they did it before it was called organic gardening. They just gardened, <laughs> and they didn't use pesticides or anything like that. And we did. I mean, in the during the winter, we'd go get the manure, put the manure on top of the on on top of the garden. All the cut down all the all the all the parts that we don't eat and let it decompose and then we take the rototiller and rototill it all in and then we plan our garden every year and that's that's what i did with my parents until i was until i was 10 years old i mean these gardens were huge um to me it felt like the the rows of corns were never ending because that's the those are the rows i had to weed but of course, I was a little kid at that time. I don't know how long they really were, but it, but when I was a kid, I was like, "Does this ever end? Am I ever going to get done with this?" And that's and that's how we lived for the first ten years of my life: um, organic gardening, but without the organic in front of it. It was just gardening, and that's how it was when I was a kid. And and I, I love, some of my fondest memories are of those times. To tell you the truth, I mean, when I was an an, an adolescent, I do have other nice memories, but those memories of of the garden and and being outside are some of my fondest memories, and I love them. And that's how I got into organic gardening before it even was called organic. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you, Ben, I'm hoping there's a podcaster, Angela Watson, who runs a podcast called Truth for Teachers that I love. And she's like one of the only people I hear out there talking about, imagine what our schools can become. Imagine like, and I always picture like when I went to Paris, there are so many more gardens and parks and places than there are, I find like in cities in the States. And 
I really feel like we kids, like you say, they love being in the garden. And as we're finding if teachers are going to go back to school in the fall and they're going to be responsible for kids and trying to social distance, like let's get these kids outside in the garden so they can have great memories like you have. Totally agree. Oh my goodness. I wish schools had, I wish schools had gardens. All schools should have a garden. I mean, it's just, we should all learn about these things. It's, 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 to me, it's kind of sad that most people don't even know how to plant a seed. Most people don't know how to plant a seed. Most people don't know how to take care of a plant. And most people don't even know where their food even comes from anymore. So, I mean, I think that would be great for the kids. And that's, that's knowledge that's, that, that should be widespread. You know, everyone should be, I mean, you don't have to, but it's at least knowledge that you should have. Yeah, I mean, and there's so many lessons you can do in the garden. There's science and there's math and there's writing. And one kid maybe wants to keep a journal and draw the insects. And one kid's going to measure, you know, how long is the length of the row or how long is this bed? And another kid's going to compare how big are these pea pods. And just there's so many lessons that the kids can do. And they can, you know, I just think you have to be more creative and it would be good for the kids to get out. And then, like you said, they should know how to grow. Like, I have learned so much. I could barely keep a basil plant alive or a geranium when I started my podcast. And now like Mike's kind of moved over to like what we call the mini farm. And I'm kind of taking over the garden beds that are close to the house. And he just comes down and he's like, what are you doing now? <laughs> but they're growing. <laughs> Things are growing. I finally, my buckwheat cover crop I planted yesterday, finally, sprout. I mean, I planted like last week is sprouting and I'm so excited because he was like, no, <laughs> that's not going to work. And I'm like, yes, it is. And it will work. Buckwheat cover crop is a great cover crop. And yeah. another thing that well, he wanted me to like pull out all the crabgrass. So we'll see what happens because uh, if the crabgrass uh, comes back and and overruns the bed, then he's right. But it's sprouted. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry. Hey, we're I, supposed to be talking about you, you and your gardens today. <laughs> another another thing about school gardens and everything is it's it's such a great way to teach life lessons to the garden i mean what what a way to teach patience i mean what a way there's you can you can learn so many things from the garden um that sometimes it just doesn't work out i mean there's many times we'll plant something like you said and it just won't turn out i mean as we planned it so at the same time that you can have short-term failures with the garden and it's a great way to teach our kids that that's fine that's fine i mean so just life lessons also it's just the garden is a great place to do it that's so true. You know, um, jo Joanna Gaines from like, uh, I don't know, Home and Garden TV. She started this new thing called the Magnolia Journal. Anyway, she wrote this children's book and the whole thing is starts out with failing and failing and talking about failing. And the kids like their dad, they buy this plant for their mom, this little fern at the store. And there's four kids and they like wait in line to get up to water it, but they water it so much they kill it. And they're like, but that didn't stop us. We just started researching and doing all this stuff. And um, it's true. So do you want to tell us about something that grew well this year or what do you want to talk about? You can talk about whatever. Yep. Well, one thing that grew really well this year, because I'm, I'm, I'm South of the equator. So I'm at, I'm in winter right now. And, uh, oh. something that I, something that I still have growing in my garden are eggplants. And I have about 15 eggplants still growing in the middle of winter in my garden. So this year, my, my best crop was, was, was eggplant and man i i love eggplant before 
I didn't even know what it was, but when I got to know my wife, she started to cook with it. And I was like, oh my goodness, eggplant is delicious. So I was stoked that we got, we have four eggplants that are continuing to give me food in the winter. It doesn't, it, it, it rarely freezes here where I'm at. So that's one of the reasons why, but yeah, I got about 15 eggplants still on my tree in the middle of winter. I thought that was, I was pretty stoked about that. That is super cool. I'm curious what kind of recipes your wife cooks with eggplants because like I only know like eggplant parmesan and maybe like sauteed eggplant. My my favorite food with eggplant is actually it's it's called a tarta. It's it's kind of like a pizza where you just take eggplant and you put it in what well she makes it with um um uh, in English it's called I'm thinking in Spanish, sorry about that. It's um oh my goodness. Ground beef. <laughs> there we go. Ground beef, eggplant, uh, onion, and some other spices. And then she just puts it on top of uh, like a pizza filling. So it's kind of like you're eating a pizza. But oh my goodness, it's it's wonderful. I love it. In Spanish, it's called a tarta. So I mean, it's just beautiful. Cool. Well, listeners are going to love that because we're always looking for recipes to cook with the stuff we get from the farmer's market or even that we grow in our gardens. Do you have any tips for like your eggplants? Because I know when Mike first started growing eggplants, he really struggled to get them to go from, they would flower, we get these beautiful flowers, but he didn't get a lot of fruit. But and that's how it was now, but do you have any tips? Yeah. No, uh, my, my main tip with gardening is compost. So as long as you're put, as long as you're giving your garden enough compost, your plants, and of course sun and water too, but you never want to overwater. But compost, it's in, it's incredible by by having a, a rich a lot in a soil that's alive and, and rich, nutrient dense. Your your plants just seem to give, and they and they they give freely. They give all sorts of, of fruit if you just keep the 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 soil as live as possible. So I try not to dig into it. I try to keep it. I try to keep those critters alive as long as I can, and dig dig into it as little as possible, so they can they can continue to new, build nutrition into the soil. But for me, compost and I, I build compost. My compost isn't the perfect compost, and I imagine a lot of the people that live in big areas don't. I mean, what you do is you you just take what you have, all the organic waste, and, and you try to compost it. I have a system where I put it. In, I have a, I have a four tier system which helps just a little bit, but the, where I have, where I put everything that's green and I, and I put leaves with it and I put it into, then I, I, I mix it up and I put it into a next, next thing. And then I mix it one more time and I put it into a third area. And then the final areas where it sits for just a couple of weeks more. And that's when I throw it into the garden and it all depends if you're in summer or winter, but it, it'll take between a month, three months to have it all done. But I always have compost ready to go back into the garden. And it's not that I just put it at the beginning. I put compost during, also when I'm, when I'm, when the plants are growing, because a lot of my stuff at the moment, because I'm living in the city are in planter boxes. So I'm, I'm constantly putting compost on my plants. And as I've done that, I've seen great success. I know it's like amazing. It's like a couple of days after you put the compost on, you can see the plants just like kind of thriving and perking up and growing bigger. And I just feel like we can never make enough compost. And to me, it's like the most forgiving, like the easiest part of gardening that comes along. But people complain to me all the time. They're like, ew, I hate composting. I don't know why. I mean, if you do it, I mean, it can be smelly if you don't have the right combination, which mine doesn't. But it's funny, my kids, they'll, they'll help me do the last part. So the, the, the whole, the last part is the best part because that's when it's nice and moist and it smells beautiful. 
But that first part, because I don't have enough dry material, it, it can start to stink a little bit because of the, the off-gassed nitrogen. But other than, other, that first part can be if you don't have enough dry material. But I love the last part because my kids are like, whoa, all that stuff turned this black, moist stuff that smells good. It's like, yeah, isn't that crazy? <laughs> I know it just baffles me. And then the other thing, like I was listening on uh, this podcast, Salva the Side of Fries the other day. She was talking about composting, and she was talking about the point. Like I think about this, I don't think about this a lot because we don't throw it in our garbage. But your garbage smells so gross. Like that makes all of your garbage smell disgusting when you're putting that food in there. Whereas if you separated it, your garbage isn't going to smell bad. Like my garbage could sit in a plastic bag in my kitchen. Like when I had an apartment, sometimes it would sit there for a week, but it didn't matter because all that was in it was like paper and maybe plastic bags that had been recycled or whatever. Like there wasn't anything smelly in it. And uh, cause I would like come home on the weekends. I was teaching on a reservation on the other side of the mountains. And so Sometimes the garbage, the, I would take it home on the weekends was how I'd get rid of it. And I don't know. I just can't imagine people that keep, that don't separate their food. Like to me, I just, I don't get it. <laughs> and I don't feel like, I like we would have the compost bin sitting on the classroom. The kids would throw their stuff in there all week and I would take it home on Friday. It didn't smell. We had a worm bin in the classroom one year when I was there. It didn't smell like, I don't know. To me, it's so easy and I think it's easier than hauling the garbage with the food scraps to the garbage. I mean, we have to haul ours to the green boxes. Oh, anyway. but and not only that, not only that, it's just, it's, it's so much better for us and our environment. Yeah. And if our, if our environment's healthy, we'll be more healthy. That's another thing I talk about in the book is the importance of a, is a healthy environment. We have two ecosystems. I mean, we have the ecosystem, which is our, which is our human body. And then we have the ecosystem planet earth. And if planet Earth isn't healthy, I mean, it's impossible for us to be healthy. It just can't be. So by composting is like the easiest way to to start in the right direction. And then then the path, then the, the, the ability, I mean, the opportunities are just great. But it the step one is almost always in, in composting is taking all that organic matter and returning it to the soil. That's one of the best ways to heal planet Earth. And if, like I say, if planet Earth is healthy, our our, our, our possibilities of being healthier are, are a lot more. I mean, we can't live without her. She can live without us. Um, she doesn't need us. She'll probably, she thrives without us, but, but we can't live without her and she's got to be healthy. So step one, compost all your organic material. And that, that even means, I mean, I compost charcoal from the barbecue. I compost paper. I compost, I don't, I throw away very, very little. And the majority of stuff we do throw away actually goes to the recycling bin. So what we do throw away is very, very, very little. The majority of stuff goes straight back into our into our compost bin and, and eventually back into into the dirt that surrounds us. So do you want to tell us about something you're excited to try different next year? Or is there something new you're gonna do? I'm just excited to try something new in a new place. Uh, we're at we're in the moment of looking for a new place. And so I'm, we're looking for a, I'm just excited to try something new at a new place. At the moment, um, we don't have much room. So like I was saying, I was, I'm planning in planter boxes. So I have planter boxes. And then the place we were at, I had a little teeny front yard garden. that was about 10 feet by eight feet. And that was all I had to, to work with. And I'm hoping that we'll get a space that will allow me to, to be a little bit more creative and, and, and expand on what I love to do, uh, play in the dirt. So that that's that's the plan, and hopefully we can find a place where we can where I can do that. 
So, like, where are you looking? Like, are you looking in the south or all over? Is there, like, anywhere in particular? You're, are you coming back to the United States? Or, like, are you moving somewhere in Argentina? Or where are you looking? Yeah. How do you pick yeah, a same. place? That's what we're, we're just looking here in, in, in the same city we're, we're, uh, we're at right now. We're just looking around to hopefully find a place that'll, that suits the needs of everyone in the family. So I'm married to a wonderful wife. She's, uh, her name's Ruth. And then I have my kids. I have two kids. So we're trying to find a place where we can all be happy at the moment. And, and that's where we're, all, we're in the middle of that. And it's not easy. It's not an easy place. It's not an easy position to be in. But we're looking and, and we'll, we'll find it. So, but, yeah, we plan on staying around this area where we're at, at least for now. Awesome. Well, do you want to tell us about something that didn't work the way you thought it was going to last year? Oh, yeah. I had a, just a terrible time with lettuce. Just a terrible time with lettuce. And I realized that it was the seed. Um, and it's so funny because it's, it's important. That's why it's so important to save seed. Um, I didn't have any lettuce seed. I went and bought four packs of different seed and nothing. Nothing. I mean, not even one germinated. Out of the four packs that I bought, not one germinated. And I tried four different ways in four different places, and I didn't get any germination. Not in one. Even in even in my homemade uh, uh, greenhouses, I I couldn't get anything. So all my lettuce I had to buy this last year because I couldn't get anything to grow. And I realized that it was it was the seed, and and that's just brings back the importance of saving your own seed because you never know what you're going to buy i mean i bought four different packs and not one of the packs gave me any lettuce so that was that was frustrating that was one of the big failures of the of the garden because we eat lots of lettuce we eat lots of salad in our home and having to go out and buy it all i mean that was that was not cool but that was the that was the major failure this last year and and it wasn't because i couldn't grow it uh is because i just had horrible seed so again going back to the Saving seed is so important. Save your own seed and use it from year to year. Don't let it go too long because then the germination rate goes goes down quite a bit over the years. So, so that's a good, how do you uh-huh. save? Do you have any tips for how to save lettuce seed? Like I, somebody sent me a seed saving for the family gardener book, and I've been I started to read it the other day, and I'm like, I need to read this because I we had the same problem. We did not get where Mike and I originally planted our lettuce nothing grew unfortunately he grew me another little bed that i've had but i am missing lettuce this year and lettuce is like the number one crop that people buy we smell sell more organic lettuce and spring mix in the united states like 10 times over the next organic crop like people love to eat lettuce but how do you save lettuce seeds you just let it grow and then the seeds come out so and i do the same way with with arugula the same same way i just let it grow to seed and then i let those seed pods dry and then i put it with paper towels i wrap it in paper towels and then i put it in bags until i plant it the next next year but that's that's how i do it i just let i let one or two or three of my plants go to seed so they dry it so they seed i let them dry and then i take those and i wrap them in paper towels and then put them in bags and that's how i save my seed for the next year at least with um with lettuce because there's so much the same thing with arugula. So we eat a lot of arugula and we eat a lot of lettuce here. I love arugula. And I am definitely saving the arugula that I have growing. Like I planted arugula in between my lettuce seeds because that is the arugula that I love. And I, I did the same thing. I have like five different packages of arugula seeds. 
and some of them grow and i don't like them like the one that grew like crazy this year the leaves are like two inches tall they didn't get or maybe an inch like they're really tiny leaves they never got big and it bolted like almost as soon as it was ready to harvest so and now like there's like these big long stems with all these itty bitty teeny tiny leaves and then it's it's flowering but part of me is like this isn't the arugula that i want to save the seeds for <laughs> i'm hoping it's the new seed i'm hoping it's the new stuff that's coming up between the lettuce but i'm pretty sure already starting off that that's the right arugula seed i want i love arugula before we get to the root of things, we're going to thank our sponsors and affiliate links. You can find uh, Deer Fence Supplies on DeerBusters.com. We're located in Waynesboro, Pennsylvania. We ship nationwide for free. And if you want 10% off, type in the word fences, F-E-N-C-E-S, at checkout on DeerBusters.com and save yourself some money while you're getting Deer Fence. Hey, green future growers. Join me on the Listen app. Invite code GREEN, G-R-E-E-N. I would love if you left me a message. You can reach out to other green future growers and other green organic gardener podcast listeners there. And we could have a conversation about what's growing in your garden. What are you eating? Does it not feel good to walk by the produce aisle? It does for me. Um, and if you're not there yet, we'd be happy to help you get there. Over on the Listen app, invite code Green, G-R-E-E-N. And now, let's get to the root of things. Ben, this is a part of the show where I call getting to the root of things. So, like, do you have an activity you don't like that's, like, your least favorite activity you kind of have to force yourself to go and do? I don't. Um, I was I was thinking about that question because you sent the questions before, and I was thinking about that question, and I don't have an activity that I despise or i don't have there's not an activity i don't like to do more or less than another and i was i was trying to think about it like what do i not like to do when i'm out in the garden and i like to do it all it's it's i don't know if that's a bad answer but i can't i can't think of anything that i like to do worse or more than than other things in the garden and it's just to me it's just a beautiful experience i mean it's it doesn't matter if I'm preparing a bed, if I'm weeding a bed, which is very little nowadays, planting. I mean, I, I don't think there's something that I do not like to do outside when I'm in nature. No, I think that's a super inspiring uh, answer that like for people who haven't gardened that they're going to feel that way. And I think a lot of my listeners are like that. I, on the other th hand, can come up with like 20 things that I don't like to do. But on the flip side, what's your favorite <laughs> garden activity? Well, and I do have a favorite, and that is oh, cool. taking, the, taking the fruit and sharing it with my family and friends. Oh, man. There's nothing better than taking what you grow off of the plant and be able to share that with family and friends. That, that has got to be the coolest, the funnest, the best thing that that comes from the garden for me. It's, it's a wonderful feeling to be able to do that. Yeah, I absolutely can really, and I think my husband likes that too a lot. He loves when the grandkids and his kids come and they pull the carrots and pick the peas and just hang out with them down there. Uh, ben, what's the best gardening advice you've ever received? The best gardening advice I've ever received is also what I talked about in the very beginning, compost. Um, 
compost organic material, material and put it back into the soil. Keep your soil as alive as possible. So if you want a healthy garden, always look to the soil. Don't look to your plants, look to the soil. So compost and keep your soil as alive as possible. And the best way to do it is through organic composting. So do you have a favorite tool? Like if you had to move and could only take one tool with you, what could you not live without? Shovel. Oh yeah. The shovel is a beautiful tool. <laughs> not only, not only in the garden, but I've always loved the shovel. So if it's not the shovel, it's a pickaxe. It all depends on how hard, how hard the dirt is, but the shovel would be the tool I'd go with me. What kind of shovel, like a long handled shovel or like a little hand trowel or what kind of shovel do you like? Yeah, be a, the, the, the long handle shovel. Yep. It'd be the, the shovel that we use to really dig into the dirt. How about, do you have a favorite recipe you like to cook or eat from the garden? I don't. Um, it's usually just taking what I have from the garden and put it together and cooking with it. I mean, I don't have a, I don't even think I have a favorite recipe. Um, I've come to the point where I see food as more of a, like a fuel, a food, a fuel. I don't see it as, even though there are things that I like and taste better than other things, I look at food as nutrition, as fuel. So what I'm trying to do is give me the most nutrient dense food possible. And as I've noticed over the time, as I believe this, things that I didn't think were that good actually taste a lot better now because I look at it at a totally different way. I look at at food and cooking because I do love to cook and I usually cook either guisos, uh, I mean stews, sorry about that. I either cook stews or soups or outside uh, on the grill. So I, I love to eat meat too. I'm, I'm a meat eater for sure. But a favorite recipe, I can't say, but I do love taking anything from the garden, cooking and, sh and most importantly, sharing it with other people. It's such a great feeling to be able to share what I grow with other people. Oh, I like all that. Well, how about, do you have a favorite podcast? You, since you're a pod, you have a podcast, you probably listen to podcasts. Do you have one you can do. recommend? Uh, let's see. At the moment, I am listening to, let's see, um, a podcast that What's I What's internet recommend. like in Argentina? Like, is it pretty good or is it sporadic or? No, it's pretty good. I mean, I've, we've never really had a problem with our internet connection here because the majority, like I say, a lot of my work is, is online. So if I'm not with patients, I'm, I'm working online. Um, so, so internet connection is pretty important. So no, we don't have a problem here. I mean, um, lately I, I've, been, I've been learning a lot through podcasts, philosophy. I mean, so Stoic philosophy and all those podcasts. So that's, that's what I've been focused more on lately listening to podcasts but i couldn't give you a certain one at the moment because i've been so busy with my my launching my new book that i haven't listened to a new podcast episode for almost four months i mean i guess that's not but because i've been so focused on trying to get everything trying to get this ready as we were talking before i don't know it would, but yeah I, I was planning on launching my book my new book playing in the dirt in april and it now we're in July and it came out just this last Monday. So it just barely came out because I had to basically redo all of my marketing material for the book because what I had was, was stolen from me. So I had to start basically from zero on, on 
on that. And that took me a long time and had to focus a lot of time on doing that while also at the same time treating patients. So I didn't, I didn't listen to a lot of podcasts while for for the last four months, I haven't listened to many podcasts. How about some marketing tips for how to market a book? Because a lot of my listeners are green future goers. They either have a business or they're writing their own book. I mean, my listeners tend to have fairly large gardens, have been doing this for a while. Maybe they have a book that they want to promote. Like, got any marketing tips for us? Um, Like, what kind of materials are you creating? Well, I, so I have, I have podcasts. I mean, I did, I went, I went all, I went podcasts, I went YouTube, I went everything. But the thing that helped me the most, to tell you the truth, was getting in touch personally with people through Instagram. Because that's what I use. I use Instagram. Um, well, I'm on Instagram more than any other social media platform. And so I would, I would message people personally and I'd get to, pe- get to know people personally. And then I, I formed kind of a team of these people that I got to know personally over the t- over time to ask them to help me to write reviews and, 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 and share it when it came out. And that's what's really helped me more than anything. It was just taking the time to personally get to know. And by the time I was done and people that were willing to really, that really were enjoy or really were, were psyched to about the new book. There's about 44 people in a list of about 120 that I'd gotten in contact with and that got back in contact with me. And I'm talking, I've sent probably, 300 or 400 uh, but out of those 300 or 400 there's 44 that were really excited and that is what has really helped me it, um, it was it was taking those those I think I started almost eight or nine months ago where I started to get in contact with peaceful people personally and getting to know them and giving them and material like so I'd write a chapter and I sent it to them and say, what do you think about this chapter and and I'll get them involved in the process and then when the book came out, they were a lot more willing to go on Amazon and leave a review and, and also just promote the book on their social media platforms. So get to know people personally, especially when you're starting out. I mean, I'm still starting out. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm brand new at all this too. So I'm, I'm learning and I want to learn as much as I can because I'm new to this also. But what I saw work out better with my second book for my first book. So my first book, The Four Pillars of Health, I didn't do that. This one I did. And I and I and I looked for people that that I thought specifically would would like what I was writing, and I and I and I got in contact with them, and that's what really helped out. And more than anything, the difference between my first book and my second book, at least. Well, that was exactly what I wanted to know because I still haven't found anybody who will write me a review on Amazon for my book that came out last year. Like, not even my mom. I'm like, oh. I don't know why if it's Amazon makes it too hard or, but yeah, but those are like great ideas to reach out to people ahead of time and like send them a chapter of the book. Like I would never have thought of that Um, and different things. So, well, that's fantastic. So how about a favorite internet resource? Like where are you surfing on the web? Me, like I I'm more than an internet. I get the majority of my information from, from Instagram. I mean, I'm on the internet very little. So when I'm on it, I'm either I'm I'm chatting with people on Instagram that, that I've gotten to know, and then I and then I learn from I learn from them. I've I've been learning the majority of stuff I know is is from people that I I've met on online, and a lot of it's I I chose the platform Instagram because when I kind of got into the whole social media thing, that's the thing that was that's where it was Instagram was kind of getting more popular. I was I was I was way after Facebook, so I 
I kind of focus more on Instagram, but I imagine it's, it, it all depends on the social media platform you're using. And I used Instagram, but a lot of the thing is a lot of learning I get is actually from Instagram. And that's where I'm learning a lot of what I do and what I'm doing now. Do you have a favorite book or reading material that you want to share? The, the, the last book I read that I really, really liked uh, was called The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. It doesn't have anything to do with gardening. It's, it's a philosophy on life, and it, and it kind of shows you how a lot of the times in life, um, that hard moment, if we take it and run with it, is actually the way we should go and we can make it a lot. We can make our lives a lot better by turning that obstacle. So we think like, why is this happening to me? Why does this have to happen to me? Or, and we turn it and we actually run with it. And a lot of times is when we make our, our best work or, or become our best selves. And so that was a book I really enjoyed by Ryan. I've read a lot of his books, um, but old, but all like gar books about gardening. I mean, anything that I can get my hands on about permaculture, I, I had it. So anything that talks about permaculture, I, I, I was all over when I was, when, when I read about um, gardening and, and anything that has to do with, with healing soil, I looked to permaculture. Awesome. Well, tell listeners a little more about your book. Before yeah, so we wrap this up. Perfect. So my latest book, the, the Playing in the Dirt, is is a, is about how our health is intertwined with the health of the soil. So if we build soil, um, Mother Nature will help heal us. And in the book, I give eight example. I give eight reasons why it's like that. So if we do, if we involve eight different lifestyles that that involve Mother Nature in our lives, we will feel a lot better. I mean, we could feel great right now, but we can even feel better if we involve these eight different lifestyles in our life that involve mother nature. So if we help mother nature heal, she'll help us feel our best. And I, I wrote a book about that ex using examples from my own life um, and how it's helped me. And, and I use my life as an example kind of to, to kind of demonstrate how when I was down and out um, playing in the dirt helped me. So it helped me like it helped me in ways where I, where I felt down emotionally. Um, it helped me build a strong immune system. So by playing in the dirt, by playing with all the microbes in the dirt, it helped me develop a strong immune system. I mean, today where so many people are scared about viruses and especially the virus COVID-19, but at the same time, if you're out playing in the dirt, your body will build a defense that's, that will overcome any type of bacteria or virus, basically. So as long as you're out there playing in the dirt, your defenses will be sufficient to fight pretty much anything and of course that's saying that you're you're a healthy human being that you don't have other types of illnesses if you have other types of illnesses yeah it's probably a little bit better to distance yourself and and stay clean but i mean stay away from those people but at the same time if you're healthy and you're out playing in the dirt there's no reason to be scared don't be scared don't be scared of any type of virus because viruses and bacteria we're breathing them in all the time, every day, it's always coming in, going out, and it helps us to develop our immune system, which is our, it's our system to defend ourselves. And what we're doing now is weakening our immune system because we're, we're, we're trying to stay completely sterile, and, and that's not helping us build a strong immune system. 
So that's another reason I gave an example in the book about that. Um, I give an example of, of how it, uh, it makes nutrition simple. I mean, what the dirt gives to us is enough. We don't have to go out looking for all the supplements and everything else. Just eat what grows from the dirt or what has eaten something fresh from the, from the ground and you'll be fine. So I give examples of that. And, and I give other examples of how playing in the dirt is, as I say in the subtitle, the key to sustainable health, not only for ourselves, but also for our environment. So Mother Nature itself, which will help us heal even more. And that's basically what the book um, involves. Uh, it's it's a personal experience of how Mother Nature, um, nature well, cool. can help well, us I heal. Well, I love all that. I am going to put a little plea out there, too. like you might be able to defend that, but other people might not. And that's why I think it's super important people wear masks and keep up with the social distancing because it's not about you. It's about the other people, the people who have to go to work, the people that have to run our grocery stores, take care in the healthcare, and go home to family members. And they have to be there. And if all you have to do is wear a little mask to keep them safe, I, I implore people, myself personally, to wear a mask and do your best. Anyway, um, Ben, my final question is a doozy. If there's one change you'd like to see to create a greener world, what would it be? For example, is there a charity or organization you're passionate about or a project you'd like to see put into action? Like, what do you feel is the most crucial issue facing our planet in regards to the environment, either locally, nationally, or on a global scale? I would say just every one of us, each and every one of us, take our shoes and socks off and plant our feet on the dirt. Feel Mother Nature, and then I'm pretty sure we'll start to feel guided to do what needs to be right. I mean, we know, most people know that this Earth, planet Earth, it needs to be in a condition where, where she can help us. So the first step, is take your shoes off. If you have kids, take their shoes and socks off. Go plant your feet in the dirt and let, and just feel, feel Mother Nature. It's it's a healing effect, and not only does it heal you psychologically, but it heals you physiologically too. I mean, there's just way too many studies out there showing that by being in contact with the earth, earth it regulates our electrical, our electrical state. So it puts it to into a state where it's which is which is normal, which is natural. It helps us decrease all sorts of things in our bodies that cause us harm living in, in the stressful environments that we live in. So everybody, take your shoes and socks off. If you have kids, take their shoes and socks off. That's and go perfect. plant your feet in the dirt for half well, an hour. Well, thank you so much, Ben, as, for coming and sharing your story with us today. And listeners, if you do get his book and go to Amazon, make sure you leave him uh, a five-star review over there or leave them a review that says this is what I learned from this book or do something because that will help other people read it and um, you know the secret or certainly one of the key topics on my show has been soil health so I'm pretty sure your book is going to be popular among my listeners Uh, wait, let's slow down and spell that out. What so is that awesome. website oh, yeah. again? So the book's it's... called Playing in the Dirt, and you can get it from my website, pastosbetterthisfarm.com, or yeah, at Amazon. So, um... 
Oh, yeah. Um, it's Pastos Verdes, because that was actually the name of my farm. when I So Pastos Verdes is just green green pasture in Spanish. So it's P-A-S. And of course, the link will be in the show notes that you can just click on it. So pastosverdesfarm.com. And then... Yeah, for sure. And, and when they yeah, go to that I website, mean, is that where that they find the podcast? I think that's where I found if you the podcast, right? Would leave an honest review after leaving, after reading the book. That would be awesome. Yep. So you can find every you can find everything on my website. Um, and awesome. if you well, keep on, on rocking that, Mike Ben, and thank you so much for media, sharing I'm, with us today at Ben Page DC. So it's all the same, Ben Page DC. Well, thank you. Okay, I'm going to shut the mic off really quick. No, it's been great. A great experience to be on your podcast. So thanks for having me on. Hey, Green Future Growers. Join me on the Listen app. Invite code GREEN, G-R-E-E-N. I would love if you left me a message. You can reach out to other Green Future Growers and other Green Organic Gardener podcast listeners there. We could have a conversation about what's growing in your Garden, what are you eating? Does it not feel good to walk by the produce aisle? It does for me. Um, and if you're not there yet, we'd be happy to help you get there. Over on the Listen app, invite code GREEN, G-R-E-E-N. Hey, everyone. So I just want to remind you, that this is the most important time to be taking good notes on What's working well? What's not working well? What don't you want to forget come next February and March when it's time to order supplies or do your design? You know, what are your favorite seeds or what do you want to plant more of? Do you want more broccoli? Like you might think I am never going to forget this, but you probably are going to forget it. And um, a great way to support the Green Organic Gardener podcast um, would be to get our garden journal that's got a beautiful butterfly that I took a picture of on our lilac. So it's like a little part of our home and your home. It's got blank pages and line pages, and um, it would really support us a lot. Um, so, but most of all, we want you to have good. Do records. you know someone who would benefit from the Organic Gardener podcast? If you like what you hear, we'd love it if you'd share the Organic Gardener podcast with a friend. Thanks again for listening, and remember, grow local.